Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we've been discussing Dutch Sheet's book, Intercessory Prayer, and last week we left off talking about prayers of protection. This week, we're going to talk about what he calls dwelling in the secret place. And that is something we actually hear a lot about. So we're going to take some time just to talk about the secret place and how we view prayer, especially in Matthew 6. Just to uh, show you what he's saying in the book, and if you're following along, this is page 94, he says, Consistency is also a key when it comes to prayer for protection. We must dwell in the secret place to abide under the Almighty's protective shadow. And then he quotes, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91.1, that's the King James Version. And I'm going to share this out of the book right now. We're going to come back to it in a little bit. But Dutch Sheets goes on to say, Jesus equated the secret place to the prayer closet in Matthew 6, 6. Before we get to that, as we were preparing for this morning, I looked up Psalm 91, 1 to see if this is actually even about prayer. And I was kind of surprised to find what most translations of Psalm 91, 1 say. I have it memorized in the King James. There's even a scripture song. I can't read Psalm 91, 1 without singing the song. And we all know it as he that dwelleth in the secret place. But looking at some other translations here, I think it gives us a better picture of what we're talking about. So Psalm 91.1, and I'm just going to read several, uh, both literal translations and some more uh, paraphrase type translations. And I think you'll see that there's a very different idea going on. So NIV Psalm 91.1 is he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The New Living Translation says those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. ESV says he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Then we have the King James, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, New American Standard Bible says one who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will lodge in the shadow of the Almighty. The 95 update says he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And it it goes on. Even the Amplified Bible says he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Uh, just one more Holman Christian Standard Bible the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. So the word secret is a King James uh, Oh, Yep, secret only shows up in the King James Version. All the rest of them across the board have it being, we dwell in the shelter of the Most High. So taking that back to prayers of protection, that verse is saying, if we are in Christ, we dwell under his protection. We are in his shelter. It's not 
a secret place. It's not finding a secret place. It's not entering a secret place through prayer. That's where we are in right relationship with God. Absolutely. And in the John's gospel, and especially in the first John. Okay. This word abide, the Greek word is meno. Yes. Stay put. So the person who abides in Christ is the one who would be the one who's safe in him. Yes. You're going to leave and run somewhere else because you think somebody else has a better way to solve your problems than Christ or the church. Right. We spent almost a full year saying that very thing in the in the spiritual warfare episodes. We need to stand firm. We need to abide in Christ. We need to to sit under the means of grace. But this isn't about secret information through prayer. Right. So the theme comes back to the same thing again and again. Is this about knowing secrets, having special knowledge, and then some sort of a technique or process to make it happen? Okay, that's called spiritual technology. Or is it about a relationship? Yes. So now you mentioned that he cited Matthew 6, 6 as proof of the secret place. Yep. This is Dutch Sheets quotation. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91, 1, King James Version. Jesus equated the secret place to the prayer closet in Matthew 6, 6. Okay. So is that true? Well, if you're listening to this right now or watching it, if you have access to a Bible, if you're not somewhere where you don't, look at the context. I brought it along. I printed it out. Okay. I knew that wasn't a valid implication of the passage. Yeah. I'll read Matthew 6, 3 through 8. Okay. And think about what Jesus is saying. What is the issue? Okay, All right. three. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay. Now, that's obviously a figure of speech. Your left or right hand or the, yeah. the illustration that don't do this so that somebody else thinks you're pious. Right. Look how much I gave. Yeah, look at me. Mm-hmm. Pretty typical. Yeah. You might get a gold plate on the back of a pew or something. <laughs> now, uh, Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. In other words, all their piety just got them status in the eyes of other men. Right. So the issue is motive. Okay. Hypocrites want to be seen to be pious. Yes. Those who really trust Christ and believe that God has their best interest pray because of the relationship. Yep. Not to gain special status in the eyes of other Christians or religious people. Mm-hmm. In this case, it would be the uh, leaders in 
Israel that were hypocrites. Verse 6, this is the one he cites. Okay. But you, that is disciples, when you pray, go to your inner room, close your door, and pray to your father who's in secret, and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, your relationship isn't with the religious community whereby you want to be seen as pious. Your relationship is with your heavenly father who cares for you, and he is the one who takes care of you. Okay. Well, the secret there isn't something that only some super hyper spiritual ones have access to. Right. We all. From the view of other religious people. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's keep reading. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. That sounds more like what these other people are teaching. Right. Those two verses really should be the end of this book. Yeah. So if if you notice now, we've been on this for many weeks, but this stuff is still out there. Yeah. They don't change. They keep teaching the same thing. Right. right? So they pull a verse out over here because it has a word they're looking for. This this paga or the secret, the, the... the Greek is kryptos, where we get our word cryptic. But what is the context? The author determines the meaning, not the reader. Yes. And Matthew is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So do not be like them. So they, it's not how long you pray or how many words you pray. Uh, even where the reason for going into the inner room is to thwart the idea of standing in a street corner and everybody sees how pious you are. Right. Long robes and tassels and long prayers. God hears you even if nobody else sees that you pray. Yep. It doesn't mean that prayers can't be uttered in public because we know they are from the rest of the New Testament. Okay. Okay. But the motive is what's at issue, not technique or place. Right. Verse 8. So, okay, verse 7 says, don't be like Gentiles. They many words, how long, or whatever. Verse 8. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Look at that, Matthew 6, 8. There is the crux of our contention that Dutch Sheets' teaching is false. Okay. He's harming the saints by telling them they have to do these things in some secret place for so long to get their prayer protection in, and you have to build this paga, whereas inciting Matthew 6, 6, and Jesus is saying, God knows what you need before you ask him. It's a relationship. Okay. And God, who loves us, has our best interests in mind. Yes. Job, the book of Job doesn't stand as evidence against that. Even right. when it happened, God has Job's best interest in mind. Yes. Now, if you go on further into the next chapter, Matthew 7, 11, it says, you being evil, give good gifts. You know, you do what's best, meaning a sinner typically will want to take care of their own kids. Right. Something good for them. Matthew 7, 11 at the end says, 
how much more, this is a lesser to greater argument, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Yes. So the whole thing we need to know is the relationship. If you're in Christ and you, God cares for you and you're asking for wisdom, you're bringing your needs to him, you're, you're praying according to the what we learn in the New Testament, if you do that, it's relational. It's not what we've seen in this book where you've got to get a revelation first, some secret knowledge that you gain because you got a revelation from God and then pray according to the revelation you got, which may or may not have been from God, rather than actually bringing your needs to your Heavenly Father who cares for you, who loves you, and who is honored when you come to him because you're honoring him as your Heavenly Father. Yes. We love it when our children appreciate us and need us. Absolutely. And so... That's that's the lesson. So I would say at the very least, look up the context and see if these teachers in this apostles and prophets movement or word of faith movement or wherever you're going, are they telling you the whole story? Right. And, you know, there was one other verse that I found this morning that I thought really shows what we're trying to say. And that was Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And again, that just shows that's our relationship with the Lord. It's not knowing the right prescribed prayer or uh, building our own walls of protection. We're safe because we're in him. And that now, and we had mentioned that earlier. Do you want to describe what? what is being referred to there where it says the name of the Lord? Well, the name of the Lord would be what we know about God. It's his person, his promises, his mighty deeds. Yes. Okay. And so if you look at prayers in the Psalms or like in Daniel. Okay. Praise. Yeah. They're the, the people were brutally honest about who God is and what he did. To be able to name the name of the Lord is to be in relationship with him. Yes. It isn't a technique, nor is it a religious object. Right. The ark didn't do the Philistines any good. (laughs) That's right. They didn't know God. So it's relationship. And Israel also failed. And so they weren't portraying themselves as hyper pious. Therefore, God had to protect them. Right. In fact, a lot of the prayers that are commended in the in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, and referenced in the New as well, are also prayers of repentance and acknowledging their own failures. Yes. Daniel was in captivity because Israel had rebelled against God. He acknowledged that. Right. And so the name of God is His revealed person is the eternal creator, the one who made covenant, the one who created the world out of nothing, the one who spoke to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and then Moses, and then going forward to David and through the prophets. And despite the rebellion, he still keeps his promises through a remnant, 
the book of Daniel's about that. Okay. So this building, us doing our part by building a wall of protection, otherwise somebody's going to, some bad thing will happen. It's our own fault because we didn't do it. That's not a biblical worldview even. And that's exactly what he says here. He says, many believers' prayer lives are too sporadic to build solid walls of protection. Oh, my. So did something bad happen to you? Well, I guess you didn't pray enough. Well, these prophets and apostles and would-be great men and women of God are really good at one thing, dumping a lot of guilt and fear on the people that listen to them. Yes. I'm immune from it. I won't listen to it. I already lived through that. Yeah. I was in a group that was like that 24-7. Everybody turned in all their money. Yes. Lived by faith. And there were a lot of wonderful people we met. Yeah. But I'm going to stand up for the people that are struggling and thinking they probably failed. And I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for these hotshot leaders who just create more guilt for the poor saints who want help. Right. And this teaching, I mean, thinking back, so I went on teen missions in the 80s, and we had a literal prayer closet. And the idea was that somebody needed, we had, we took it in shifts. Somebody needed to be in the in the closet praying at all times. And I was thinking about that. Uh, Dutch Sheets here says the word abide in the same verse is, Luan, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, which means, among other things, to spend the night. Let's read it with that meaning. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall spend the night under the shadow of the Almighty. In other words, prayers like the Word of God. We don't read enough today for the entire week. We must have daily bread or manna. Likewise, we must go to the secret place daily. And when we do, we can spend the night there. Tomorrow, however, we must go again. Consistency is a key. And he goes on and on and on. But this is where you end up with these 24-hour prayer vigils. Well, we had that too. We had a required fast one day a week. Okay. And that's something, um, if we were trying to, usually we're trying to buy a piece of property or something. Yeah. Monkey wrench. Then we'd have an all-night prayer meeting and then, People will get revelations about what spirit over what part of town was causing the problem. Okay. And this is just endless, endless. Trying to learn what we don't know. Trying to be pious so we get some special benefit. Gaining special revelations that may or may not be from God. Yeah. Okay. Rather than understanding the relationship and believing that God has spoken in his word. And we can have ideas that we believe are from God and take action as long as they're not sinful. Right. And you have the liberty to do that. So I get an idea about an article to write Mm -hmm. that I think will be a based on sound exegesis of scripture and apply to people's lives, or even a podcast like this. Yeah. And to show people what the scripture says, I've been doing that uh, since we started Critical Issues in 1992. No, would it be better if I said, God told me to write this article, because you need it. <laughs> well, that's no. how we do things. Right. 
But I don't, I'm not going to do that because I want you to look at the scripture and see who's reading is in keeping with the Holy Spirit inspired authors meeting. Right. So is Matthew telling us to build a paga or is he warning us against hypocrisy? He's warning us against hypocrisy. And honestly, it reminds me of your recent sermons out of first Corinthians. It's you can't use how long you prayed or where you prayed as a status symbol. Well, if you just read First Corinthians three, we we like to keep score, and Paul says, "Don't do it." Right. I'm a Paul. I'm Apollos, and then when he talks about the rewards, we don't know. Yeah. There are it, people that we don't even realize are important. We should, if they're part of the family of God. The Lord does that later when he comes. We don't know who's the great person of God and who's serving better. Who's We don't know the thoughts and intents of the heart. We don't know who's been given more. We don't know what's required. We can know what's true and what's right and what's confirmed in the Bible. But who's doing the best? Only God knows. Right. That's the point. Don't be like the hypocrites. Yeah. They don't parade all your mighty deeds and personal revelations and Claims that you're going to access the secret place in heaven. That's forbidden, by the way, in Colossians 2 and 3. Yeah. Some of these people do. That's the, the scriptures are for our good. The okay. scriptures are for our sanctification. The scriptures understood according to the meaning of the biblical author. The reader doesn't determine the meaning. The author does. Yes. Very simple. The author is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking through the scripture and what he says has already the meaning's been determined there are many applications so if you read the context you'll see that this secret place means you're not doing this to be seen by men right and then uh, this one in matthew 7 11 your father's in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask him it's relational yes it's not technological okay it's not Gnostic, gaining knowledge from secrets that ordinary people don't know about. Right. Using a technique. That's what I mean by technology. Mm -hmm. Paga. What is that? You know, it's, it's a lot like Roman Catholicism in some ways. That's a good point. Keep, keep talking about that. Well, you create this superstructure and you have these levels of hierarchy of pious people the other day they brought this new show brought on a cardinal okay there's a little red hat in this case if it's really important to have the pointy one i can't hardly stand to listen to it okay because this cardinal if he was really pious would renounce his claimed status there are no cardinals right so if you are really caring about the people you won't call yourself a cardinal. Okay. That's absurd. Yes. The buildings, the spires, the stained glass, the, the incense, the, the, all of the stuff, and some people huddled in some little pews that don't even know what's going on half the time. Okay. Hopefully some holy guy or woman has something for them. Some crumbs will come down to the poor people. Luther saw all that and rightly renounced it, stood against the whole thing. Okay. We need to keep standing against it. Say so many here, 
Well, what about our fathers? Let's look at that right there. Okay. Your father was in heaven. How much more will your father who's in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? If you know God through Jesus Christ, if you've turned to Christ, your sins are forgiven. You have the gift of eternal life. You're part of the family of God. You're indwelt by the spirit of God. God is your father. He's given promises. Somebody on earth saying, okay, if you sin, say so many our fathers. Okay. So what are you doing? Yeah, you make, that's a technique, not a relationship. That's a technique. You do this so much, and then you'll get rid of whatever the problem was because you know you're a sinner. There's no actual relationship with God. There's a relationship with the church, called the church, not really the church, with all these hierarchies. This status, this status. You go from the priest to, I don't even know because I've never been a Catholic, but a lot of our congregation are ex-Catholics who got delivered out of it. Yes. And came to Christ. But they have archbishops and all the way up to the Pope. Okay. That's exactly what the Bible isn't about. Okay. It's a repudiation of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Yes. It's status consciousness. It's the very thing the hypocrites were doing. Mm-hmm. Castles, the long robes. In fact, I believe the Roman Catholicism is an apostate version of trying to recreate temple Judaism, with which um, the book of Hebrews is about by creating their own system of sacrifices and their own false priesthood and so on. That's actually, that's a really good observation. Yes. In fact, some of my friends who came to Christ and got out of Rome find the book of Hebrews comforting. Yes, absolutely. For all. Mm -hmm. So this is, these apostles and prophets are literally, when you read their material, they say, well, the church has always had apostles. Look at the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, dear. They look at that as a good thing. Yeah. So um, what we need to get out of this, what's utterly important, is that this is about a relationship with God through Christ. Okay. If you are in Christ because of what he's done for you, because of his love, because you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, your sins are washed away, he cares for you, cast your cares on him, because he cares for you. You have the throne of grace, Hebrews 4.16. We pray for one another and whoever it might be. Okay. okay. Someone who knows Christ is part of the family of God. And God hears the prayers of his saints. The saints aren't somebody declared that by some organization. They're made saints because they've been sanctified by Christ. Okay. That's everyone in the body of Christ who knows him, who trusts him. So if you're in Christ, you're blessed. Yes. No negative outcome in this life can reverse your blessed status. Amen. Not a snowstorm, not a mm-hmm. financial um, reversal, not the loss of a job, not the breakdown of a car, not the rebellion of somebody in your family that you love, not the bad things that may happen to anyone. 
not how your relatives treat you, not anything. You're blessed because you're in Christ, and it's relational. Yes. And uh, blessed is the, the one who trusts in the Lord. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah 17. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. At the bottom of this whole thing, the foundation, it's very, very simple. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it. It's a relationship. Yes. Not a secret. And he did his part. Now he's waiting for us to do our part. That is not right. How is it that after, from 1996 to now, with what we've seen recently, the same false teaching is still attracting all of these followers and the man who wrote the book doesn't seem to have learned anything. Right, exactly. Sometimes you can't learn. Yeah, I've been yeah. wrong many times, but the Bible corrects me. But if I won't ever admit that I was wrong, how do I learn? Right. We have to be in God's word to learn and grow. Yeah, and look at the context and read it together. And the author determines the meaning. You know, a lot of people have a Bible study. They say, what does it mean to you? What exactly. Does it mean? What does it mean to you? No, it only means one thing, what the author determines. And so a better question would be, how does it apply to you? Exactly. Meaning isn't going to change. <laughs> yep. So how it applies to you. How does this apply to you? You have access to the throne of grace. Running into it isn't going to mean going to some secret spiritual realm, it means trusting in him who has called you to pray and who loves you and is going to take care of you. Okay. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob Dewey. We'll see you next week.